Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Say, I'm appointed. <laughs> you are. You've been appointed to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for. But you have been called by God. He chose you to be involved in what He's doing. So point at your neighbor for a second. He chose you. Yeah, actually. He actually chose you. Think about that. Maybe you were the last person picked in a sporting event. But He, Jesus, He chose you. And He doesn't pick weak people. He picks good people. Right. Nextly then is God chose me and also plants me as He sees fit. Right? Let's just read that. I'm going to read that again. God shows me and he also plants me as he sees fit. So I can't just go to church for the sake, oh, I, you know, I, I like that church. I'm going to just go there. No, God points you. He directs you. He plants you in a church. Can we all agree on that? Okay, and here's the verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. It says this, but uh, our bodies have many parts. No, that's not verse 12, verse 18, guys. We got to... Everybody, if you got your Bibles, go to there real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter... 12 verse 18. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it is. Sorry, guys. You had it right. And God has put each part just where he wants it. And if you read it in context, Paul is talking about eyes, noses, ears, mouth. You mean, like, you know, the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. Right? And it's not like I'm going to just take my body part and put it here. No, God strategically, if you are a foot, you need to be where the feet are. Right? Wouldn't it be weird if your foot is up by your nose? It would be awkward, right? Well, this is the same way. God, you are part of this body of Christ, and He has placed you now as He sees fit. So, hey, you fit here. Welcome. You say, I fit here. You were custom made for here. Think about that for a moment. I'm custom made to be here. Why? Because I'm called to impact generations for Jesus. That's who I am. That's who you are. This is your home church, and I know it is because you're here. This is, what, this is what it is. He's called you to it. Right? And now, being the church... Again, God, sorry, being the church is not a spectator sport. Everyone joins the mission, uses their gift, and serves the greater good because there's no place like home and there's nothing like serving the family of God. You really do belong here. You really, really do. Next, to see my life flourish God's way, the local church is where I got to get planted. I'm glad we're excited. Okay. It's, it's, it's vital, man. We, we need this one because a lot of times people think my job is how I flourish or a bigger paycheck is how I flourish. I can tell this from my own even personal experience. Man, I mean, I grew up in the pew. Anybody else? Anybody pew born? Okay, we got a few, a few pew born. Being planted in the local church, my life has thrived. I have, a, I have a wonderful marriage. I have wonderful relationships. I got good friendships. I got good kids. I have a great job. I got a great church family. All of that is because I am planted in a local church. And let me show you this. Psalm 92, verse 13 and 14. It says this. Those who are, say it with me, planted. Everybody say planted. planted. Not here, there. Oh, I'm all over the map. No, those that are planted in the house of the Lord. What is going to happen? Say flourish. flourish. Woo! What does flourish sound like to you? Grow. Advance. Expanding. Extending. You will flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14. Now notice this even. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. That's it. Isn't that awesome? And even in your old age, you do not stop producing. You, come on now, Pastor Mahe, that's what I'm talking about. You continue to grow. You continue to advance. There's no stopping. Why? Because you are planted in the house of God. So it's not just, a, you know, I'm, I'm a group of people. My purpose is, is to be planted. Man, I'm so thankful I just see a bunch of kids here today. There is nothing better. I know it's wild. It gets crazy. But man, I get excited about that, seeing these young kids getting planted in church. There's nothing better. What are you doing? You're setting them for success. There's nothing better. I was brought to church every time the doors were opened. At the time, I was, oh, man, but the Disney Channel's on. I'm about to watch my Disney show on Sunday night. No, we're going to church, boys. And so, I mean, I mean, I drug my feet. But right now, I thank God that I was brought to church. Why? Because now I'm flourishing. I don't have a wife that hates my guts. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. <laughs> okay. Next is, now, the church's primary call is to know Jesus. 
This is the church's primary call, is to know Him. So no matter who you are, where you're from, your primary call, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, in the Amplified, I just have the first part I want to make mention of. It says, my determined purpose. Everybody say, my determined purpose. This is my purpose. This is why I'm here. This is why I breathe. Is that I may, what? Know Him. So this is the church's primary focus, is that we get help people to see Him, reveal Jesus to people. We're not here just to spout off, Impact Life Church, Impact Life Church. That is never our heart, never our intention. Our focus is this, to shine light on who Jesus is. Because when you see Him, He is wonderful. He's a life changer, man. It changes everything when you come and encounter Him. Paul goes on to say that I may progressively become more and more intimately acquainted with Him. No other translations or uh, no other verses. Daniel 11 verse 32. I want you to see this. I love this verse. But it says those uh, very last part of it. Oh no, sorry. Go back guys. You had it. But the people who know their God. Remember my determined purpose is to know Him. Well guess what happens when you know God. They shall be strong. And then look at this. What happens next? And carry out great exploits. We don't just carry out great exploits because we got a lot of people that are teaming up to help us with our impact Red Deer Day. No, we do great exploits. The reason why they're so effective and powerful is because we have a group of people who know him. Because when you know him, you catch his heartbeat and now you can effectively go out with that motivation. It changes everything rather than just planning something. Oh, it'd be good to do something for the community. Let's just do that. That's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But a higher thought is, I know him. I'm going out. Because when you get to know Him, man, it changes everything. You want to go out rather than, oh, I guess I better go do that. No, I get to now because I've met somebody who changes lives. Right? Can you see there's a little bit of a difference there? And again, so I'm just talking a little bit about what the purpose of the local church is. So when you know Him, the result is you're strong and you do great things. Rather than, oh, God, man, we just want to see good, do something good in Red Deer. He already has. You're here. Right? He's, you're born again. You are a child of God. He already has done amazing things. So what does he need? He needs people who know him and can cooperate and work with him now to do what he wants to do in this city. Right? Okay. So again, and I want to just reiterate, that term, know Jesus, it means that I have developed a relationship with him through meeting and spending time with him. And I am familiar, I am friendly with him. Another translation say, I'm re to recognize through personal experience. It's not just knowing about God. I know Him. I know my Jesus. I know what He says. I know what He's like. So if anybody tries to tell me differently, no, 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 that's not who He is. I know His character, right? The next part, the church is called to work alongside Jesus in advancing and building His kingdom by proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating its power. So let me just show you this. Mark chapter 16. I know you know all this, but I'm just clarifying. Because a lot of times people come in with, maybe there's some hurts from previous churches. Or people come and, and they're frustrated. They're burnt out. They had horrible experiences. People lie to them. And listen, people will fail you. But God never will. And again, the church is God's idea, not man's idea. So if you've had that hurt, man, I apologize from the bottom of my heart. That I'm sorry that that happened to you. But let's go on. We need to continue to go forward with what God has planned and given to you and I. And this is the call, because this is the call, right? Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Now, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. How many of you believe? Come on, put your hand up. What's a hands up in the All right, You're a believer. So it says, these miraculous signs will accompany who? Me. These signs follow me. They will cast out demons in my name. Say, I can do that. Okay, yeah, you can. Next, they will speak in new languages. <laughs> I mean, you can do that. And I'm not just talking about you can speak French, you can speak German, you can speak Portuguese. We're talking, you know, last week, last week Saturday we had two people got filled with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about this supernatural language called tongues. You can speak in that language, right? That's for you. Uh, continue on verse 18 goes on to say they will be able to handle snakes with safety. How I many know oh, you can do that? That's not just talking about you know natural snakes, but demonic forces. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Hmm. Why? Because we are believers. Say I'm a believer. Is what you can do. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will. Everybody say they will. 
they will be healed. So your hands, guess what they can do? Well, they can. You can put hands on somebody. But me, myself, I can't heal anybody, but I know the one who can, and he's on the inside of me. So when I place my hands on you, healing is going to go into you. Why? Because the healer is on the inside of me. So it's not me. It's Again, we're pointing people to him. Right? Just a vessel. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at the right, God right hand, God's right hand. Verse 20, I love this. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they had said by many miraculous signs. So notice this is the Lord is working with them. A lot of times we're waiting, Lord, do something with me. No, the Lord, he'll go when you go. Right? It's kind of thing, okay, Lord, send me. whatever you want me to do, I'll go. When you go, he goes. Right? So it's just different thought. But this is who you are. This is the church. We are here to take over. We're not here to play nice. We're not here to be, you know, this is all great. We're here to take this world over. World domination. Anybody watch Pinky and the Brain? What do you want to do today? Take over the world. <laughs> This is Jesus' plan. And how is he going to do this world takeover? He's going to do it through his church. A lot of times we think, okay, God is going to do something outside of the church. He is not. He is using his church, which is you and I. Cool. All right. And uh, I better say the last one. This last one, I kind of wasn't sure if I should say it, but I'm going to just go with it. But when you come into a church, it's vital because, you know, it's so good to read all these things and hear, okay, this is what the local church is for. This is who it is. But it also matters how you come into church, right? You can come into church. Am I coming in with a spirit of unity or disunity, right? So let me just encourage you. Uh, but for us here, this is one of the things that we talk to our teams about quite often is that we set aside our personal preferences to be culture carriers in unity with a God-given vision of this local church. And we align our gifts, our time, our talents, and treasure to build His church. This is who we are and what we do. And uh, just for verse sake, I want to just read this to you. First Chronicles chapter 12, uh, verse 16 and 17. This is King David, and he's now hiding amongst a bunch of, you know, Saul is after trying to kill him. And uh, so the two tribes come to him. Benjamin is one of the tribes, and I can't remember the other one. But they come, oh, here it is. Verse, sorry, First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. It says, there were also men from the tribes of Benjamin and Judah who joined David in the wilderness fortress. When David went out to meet them, this is what he said. If you have come in peace and to help me, you are most welcome to join this company. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies, innocent as I am, the God of our ancestors will see, see through you and bring judgment on you. Now I want to just, it's vital that we're not coming here to split anything up or this is one on here on our values, no trash talk. We're not here to crash down churches. We're not here to put down any churches, any other pastors, any other ministers. For one, why? Because I grew up in a pastor's home. I heard a lot of crappy stuff from different people. And now I also look at going, man, one day these other pastors or churches may be people who are going to speak into my family's life. So I'm not going to bash them. And so one thing for us here that we very much are respect, we are not in competition with any other church in this city, in this province. We're on the same team, just with a different assignment. That's all. That's what we're focusing on. So again, that's how we're coming in is we want to make sure that if you're coming, man, we're so glad that you're here. But make sure we're doing it with the heart of unity, not to, you know, we're disgruntled and nah, I don't like this. And so I'm coming. Let's just, we want to do it right. Right? Okay. So with all that being said, I want to just go... Are we doing okay? You don't mind if we taking some time to talk about this? So now, again, looking at this sheet, what does Impact Life Church do? We are here to impact generations for Jesus. How do we do that? How do we impact? Our priorities. Right? And I want to just take time just talking about the bottom two for a moment. And the bottom two are this. A strong influence for God in our city... And a distribution center of the word in every form. Now, uh, do we have that Impact Life Church logo? Do you have that? Um, is the logo on there? If not, you guys can just look at your booklets. Well, you just see the little booklet? There it is. If you just move the writing there, guys. There it is. You see that logo? Now, I just want to explain a little bit about what this logo is and kind of the story behind it. One of the things that, you know, in order to accomplish our priorities, we look at it this way. We reach out. Everybody do that with me. We reach out. See those arrows? The first two arrows, how they kind of goes up and to the big point, the first point. Do you see that at the top of the red? Reach out. 
Draw in. See those tears coming back in? Lift up. Boom. That's right. Reach out. Draw in. Lift up. Now you just keep doing that. And you've done your exercises for the day. Reach out. Draw in. Lift up. Reach out. Draw in. Lift up. This is what we do. And in this order. So everybody say it with me. We reach out. We draw in. We lift up. So I want to just take some time talking about that. Because how can we be a strong influence for God in our city? And how can we get the word out? Be a distribution center of the word. How can we do this effectively? And again, I, I want to just really hit this because I, I think this is so cool. So I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, man, this gets good. Are you ready? Oh, that was just to lay some foundations just because I know we've had a lot of people come new and want to just make sure that you feel part of the family. And because, yeah, of course, we, we do a lot of teaching here. We'll continue to do so. But we're going to just take this week and next week just to talk a little bit about what we're doing here and what you're a part of. Is that okay with everyone? Okay. All right. So Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3. So again, the question that I'm asking is how do we have influence with people in our lives, maybe in this church and with those outside of the church, and how do we effectively get our message out there to impact lives? And I know there's a lot of natural things that we got to do. I mean, I'm so thankful that we are able to have a good podcast. We're able to have, you know, YouTube. All those natural things are great. They're awesome. But I guess I want to talk more from a heart level, the motivation of why we do what we do. And I really hope that this speaks to you because this has just been rocking my world the little bit that I've been studying this. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3. Now notice this. Can we read this part together? It says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. So what did you ever want to leave you? Loyalty and kindness. Other translations say love and truth. Can we just say that together? Love and truth. Right? This is what we never want to leave us. We never want kindness. We never want loyalty to leave us. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Verse 4, now notice, what does that first word say? Then. Then what? You will find favor with both God and people. Now this is vital for the church to get. What do we not never let leave us? I'll just keep it simple. Love and truth. We never want these two things to leave us. Because when these things are totally embraced, they're on us. I mean, time around our neck, it doesn't actually mean just walk around with a cool chain. Well, no. I see one of those big gangster rapper chains. You look at the big bling. Truth. Love. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that. You, you put it on your heart. Keep it in your remembrance all the time. Right? It says, then you will find favor with both God and people. And you will earn what? A good rep. Who wants a good rep? Man, I want a good rep. Did you know that your reputation precedes you? Did you know that? Well, how? Well, I mean, people talk about you for one. But one of the cool things, I mean, your reputation, before you even walk into the room, you've already been there. How? Your reputation already precedes you. So it's vital. One of the things that we want here, this is who we are as a church family, is that we never allow truth and love to depart from us. Right? And I'll give you a couple examples for this. And let's just talk about these two things. In Psalm 85.10, I don't have it on the screen. But it says, when these two, truth and love, when they meet, it is very powerful. Because when you hear love and truth, I mean, just by studying the definition and looking into what it actually is. But kindness and truth appear to be opposites. Right? If you think about it. But it's in their combination that makes a believer powerful. You want to be a powerful Christian? Be a powerful witness for Jesus. What do we have to hold? Truth and love. You hold these two things seeming opposite, but you have them both together. It is a very powerful force. Because kindness is the gentle, forgiving, gracious, and overlooking trait of a noble individual who will gladly take personal injury rather than fight or hurt someone in their power. Right? Anybody ever meet somebody who's really kind? What did it do to you? Anybody meet anybody kind before? <laughs> it, what's that? It endears you. Yeah, you just, oh man, thank you. But anybody else that ever experienced something like that? Somebody who's, what's that? It'll wake you up a little bit. Wow, wow, that really, yeah, you, right? Especially now, especially with you know, the age that we live in, people will be lovers of themselves. You see somebody who's kind, exemplifies the love of God outside, man, that really speaks volumes, right? And you know, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 21, 
It says speaking sweetly to others makes your teaching even more convincing. Other translations say the sweetness of lips increases learning. So if you've been trying to, I mean, because if you think about it, anybody ever see those guys that have those big poles turn or burn? How does that work for them? I remember talking to somebody, because I, I actually, I, I went, I was in downtown New York on, on 42nd Street, which is Times Square. And man, there, there's those guys everywhere. Man, they're, if you, they're on every corner. And finally, I mean, if you don't repent, you're all going to hell. There's those guys and their, their sticks are like, I mean, up to the ceiling at least. And they're just, they stick out like a sore thumb. I saw one sign that says, God loves you. And then I went up to them and said, man, your sign, God loves you. The lady looked at me and said, oh, they're all going to hell anyway. It just, it blew my mind. I'm like, but your sign says otherwise. But you know what it did? As soon as she said that, I had nothing to do with her. It's the kindness, it's the, 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 like the proverb said, speaking sweetly to others makes your teaching even more convincing. How we say it is vital. You can be absolutely right in saying the truth, but you can be 100% wrong. Motivation is off. Your kindness means everything. Then on the other side, truth. Truth is the stubborn commitment to whatever is honest and right regardless of the cost. Now, together, they balance each other gloriously, resulting in the gentle and honest life of a Christian. You're wondering, how can I be a good Christian? Well, you hold on to truth and love. And I just, for my own sake, I got them also on a baton, just so I can hold on to them. I'm going to, everywhere I go, I'm going to hold on to truth, and I'm going to hold on to love. Right? And so from this place, we reach. This is how we reach out, okay? Now, <laughs> Again, you know, Romans chapter 2, verse 4 in the Message Bible, it says, God is kind, but He's not soft. And I think one of the things, especially in the culture we're living in today, everybody's just looking for a, a feel-me-good kind of a God. Yeah, God is absolutely kind. I mean, how much you say that Jesus, He is the perfect example of kindness, right? I mean, you see Him, He's the perfect balance of this. No man was more compassionate even to His enemies. No man at the same time was more stricter about truth. Man, he loved his enemies. Man, he gave those Pharisees chance and chance and chance. It even says in Luke chapter 8, he, the, the healing power of God was present to heal those people. And he's trying to reach these guys. He thinks his compassion is there all the time. Yet at the same time, um, it says, No man was stricter about the truth, though it cost him his life. He forgave easily and quickly, yet he is called faithful and true. So we can't just think that God is, he's only kind. Right? No, God is both. He is truth and He is kind. Right? Let me just finish reading Romans 2 4. It says, God is kind, but He's not soft. In His kindness, He takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Now, one without the other is dangerous. If you just, if you have truth with no kindness, so if you just got truth, your, your words are not heard because kindness or love gives truth its voice. Right? Even though you got the message, we got the message. We have the truth. I mean, no, we got truth. It's Jesus. We have the truth. But if it's not spoken with love, what's going to happen? You're actually, your words are not heard. And you can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, what am I? If I just, if I have all the knowledge, or if I could speak the tongues of all men and angels, but if I have not love, it profits me Nothing. Right? If I even don't have the right message, if I just go out there without love, what am I? I'm just a clanging symbol. I'm just banging. This is all people are hearing when I'm talking. That's what they're hearing when we're thinking we're coming out just with truth. You need both. Right? <laughs> and then, um, where was I? Oh, that's good. You know, Ephesians 4.15 at the same time. So we see those words in Proverbs. Ephesians 4.15 says the same thing. He said, we will speak... The truth in love. Why? So that everyone can grow. This is it. How do you want to grow? How do you want to personally grow? How do you want to grow in your relationships? How do you want to make a greater impact? It's truth with love. Cool. Now I want to just read this real quick. Philippians chapter 1. Just talking a little bit about a motive check. Because, you know, the Apostle Paul, just like today, everybody's got different motives. And I mean, you've got to be careful and make sure your heart is right when you go to do anything. But in this particular case, in Philippians chapter 1, I want you to see this. Uh, but Paul is, he's in prison at this time, and he's talking about other people who are preaching from wrong motives. Who are I mean, Don't think preaching that you're behind a pulpit, that, that can be the case, but your life preaches. Everywhere you go, you preach. 
So here he's just going, it's true that there are some who preach Christ out of competition and controversy, for they are jealous over the way that God has used me. Many others have purer motives. They preach with grace and love filling their hearts because they know, know I've been destined for the purpose of defending the revelation of God. Verse 17, those who preach Christ with ambition and competition are insincere. What does it mean to be insincere? Fake. You're phony, right? They just want to add to my hardships of my imprisonment. But then verse 18, then you can actually see what do Paul do with this? Because listen, I've, I've met with people and I've talked with different people who are just actually mad at, at people that are preaching. They're just constantly angry. They're going at the wrong motive. Even if their motive was wrong, I want you to see Paul's response to that. Even if their, their response is completely off, he says, yet in spite of all this, I am overjoyed for what does it matter as long as Christ is being preached? If they preach him with wrong motives, or mixed motives, or with genuine love, the message of Christ is still being preached, and I will continue to rejoice. So let me just encourage you, if you see people, even if it's the wrong motive, I, I, I want to take on the heart of Paul. You know what? Jesus is being preached. I'm going to just still rejoice that Jesus is being talked about. Right? Because it's so easy to nitpick and, oh, they're so off, they're so wrong. Yeah, their motives may be out of line, but let God deal with them. You just make sure that you don't let that stuff in you. Because you can get that on the inside of you and all of a sudden, man, it's warped. And, and I actually see people have comments on Facebook. They're so mad at all these different ministers and mega churches. that are, It is crazy to actually see the body of Christ. They got truth, but there's no love. And the world looks at us and goes, why on earth would I want to be a part of that? You badmouth each other. You talk about each other around your back. I don't want to be part of that. No, but if it was mixed with love, it would change everything. It absolutely would. Right? Okay. So from this place, now I want to just make sure from this place that I'm holding on to truth and I'm holding on to love, or to love, now from here I can reach out, draw in, lift up. Why? Because my motivation is right. My heart is right. Everything that I'm doing now, I'm preaching. I'm proclaiming my life from a very healthy place that is going to be effective, that's going to be impactful just because I have love and truth. Right? So let's just talk about this a little bit. Reaching out, drawing in, lifting up. Number one, reaching out. What does it mean to reach out? Anybody got an idea? Has anybody ever reached out before? Has anybody reached out to you before? What's a phone call? Yeah, if it feels good. I mean, what is it for you? If you were to reach out to somebody, maybe it's even somebody in this room you haven't met. You have to reach. Right? You're kind of going out now. Listen, if you're full of love and you're full of truth, there's no fear in it. Right, because remember what happens when love is totally on the inside of you? Perfect love expels all kind of fear. Right, fear of men is gone. It's completely gone. Right, you just get so excited. I remember when I first came back to the Lord and got my life back on track from all my stupid days. Uh, we went on a mission trip to Modesto, California. Anybody been to Modesto, California? One. Okay, when you go to Modesto, California, it is the highest crime rate for gang violence in the United States in 2006 when I went. It was very high. And I remember, man, I was just, I was so zealous for God. I just, man, I was, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't wait to talk to somebody about Jesus. And so I remember I was with my dad, and my dad at the same time, he loves the reach aspect. He's all about reaching. No matter where you are, no matter what time, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to reach for you. And uh, we, so all of a sudden, we, me and him, we're in a, in a, um, like a Walmart grocery store. It wasn't a Walmart, but it was a grocery store parking lot. And I remember there's these two huge black guys. And I mean, like thick. They're about 300 pounds each. And I'm not talking just flab. I'm talking some meat. These guys had muscle. They were just huge dreads down their backs. And they had a little ghetto. But it was cool in 2006. They had music pumping. And it was just massive. And my dad said, hey, go, go talk to those guys. My first thought was, Okay, let's go. And I remember just walking up to him, and I just said, Do you guys know Jesus? And they looked at me like, Son? And then I remember them actually saying to me, and I hope that you don't get offended by it, but they called me a cracker. What are you cracker doing here? Like, what are you, why, are you, why are you cracker coming talking to us? And I thought cracker, like, I, I mean, at this time I'm kind of naive, and cracker, I must be in, man. He called me a cracker. I must be in. <laughs> not knowing later on what my dad said, Yeah, that, maybe let's just not say that. Okay, sure. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> white slang okay but I thought I was in the group 
But right afterwards, you know what? I, I mean, those guys, I, I, was, I was 18. I was 18 at the time when I was there. And I just, man, I talked to them about Jesus. And at the whole end of it, I mean, we heard their story a little bit, talked to me about what they do, what they're like. And right afterwards, man, the guy gave me a big hug. He didn't come to the meeting, but he did give me a big hug. And I just thought, man, that, that felt so good because right away you, we look at the external and go, oh man, I'm doing that. But when the love of God is on the inside of you, it doesn't matter. All of those things just totally break down because I'm now reaching like this. Because listen, when I'm reaching out out of, you know, I want to be seen or I want to you know, have my good marks with God, I'm doing it out of religious duty, I'm going in there with the wrong motive to begin with. And of course it doesn't work. Anybody ever experienced that before? Listen, I've gone out with Joel and Joel. All right, here comes the gun show. I'm coming at you. And the result was nothing. But now I've learned to see some of these things. I'm never going to let truth and love ever leave from my heart. So when I go out, love and truth, listen, there's no fear. I don't care what these people say about me. Why? Because I'm filled with the love of God. They call me a Jesus freak. They say, you're kind of nuts doing this. I don't care. But the amount of times that I've seen people just go, thank you for stopping is worth every single one that goes, you're a loser. Man, why, are you, why are you doing that? It's worth it every single time. Right? Now again, let's just talking about reaching out. Reaching out is simply this. I am stepping out. Everybody say, I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out of my own self. My own comfort. My schedule. That's a big one. My life. My bubble. And I'm willing to enter into somebody else's. This is so vital. Again, reading everything that we are as a church, what God wants to do, we have to be people that are hungry to reach. Anybody hungry to reach? This is who we are. We, this is what we do. And I want to just read you. I don't have these verses on the screen, but Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn there with me or you want to just take some of these notes down, I encourage you to do so. Read them later. But Luke chapter 15, I'm going to just read verses 1 and 2. And it just says this, many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Now, what is a notorious sinner? Anybody know? They're good at sinning. Right? They know how to do it with a cherry on top, man. They're, they're good at it. This is their like, full-time gig. Other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. Who came to listen to this man? Notorious sinners. Now I want you to notice, look at verse 2, it says, This race concerned with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Man, Jesus made, you know, Jesus made, of course, some of the world people mad, but he made more than anything religion mad. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, Look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. Look at this. Why, look at him. Why? I mean, just think about that for a moment. What is his deal? Why on earth is he reaching out to all these ungodly, these heathen people? Man, they don't deserve any of this. But I want you to see the heart of God is reach. I remember I was praying one day and I meant the Lord real strictly. Like I was just like, Lord, I'm, I'm wanting to tap into his heartbeat. I'm like, God, give me your heartbeat. What's, what, is, what is your heartbeat? And I very clearly, I mean... I just heard this on the inside. I didn't hear an audible voice. It was just very on the clear side. And I just heard this. I heard a thick of thumb. 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. So all of a sudden, I flipped to 1 Timothy 2. And you just read the first, first five or six verses. It just talks about how, you know, pray for your government. Pray for all those that are authority. For God's will is that all men be saved and come to them know the truth. This is his heart. Listen, our Father, God's heart. So the whole purpose of why this church exists is to carry a heartbeat of who our God is. Well, what's his heartbeat? It's to reach out. No matter where you come from, no matter where you are, what it looks like, this is who we are. And one of the things that can definitely get in the way is our schedule. Oh, I got a busy life. Listen, we're all busy. But the reality is, is God, are you able to interrupt my schedule? Am I willing to let his, his, what he wants to do interrupt what I'm doing? Lord, I say yes. No matter where I am, no matter what it looks like, God, if it's, you know, the times that he wants you to reach may be very inconvenient for you. It's happened to me, man. I just, even not too long ago, I had a, I was out getting a few groceries because I was, I was coming back late. I had a late meeting here and I went out to go get a few things because our kids eat a ton of food. And uh, then I came back, and all of a sudden, I'm out there. It's about 9.30 at night, so, and I mean, and, and for those that went freedom story, I was at Walmart, yes. I wasn't getting snacks for myself. I mean, I'll just be very clear. I was getting food for the family. And a little bag of Skittles here and there. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. 
But anyways, right after I was, I was paying for, I was just about to go online and I came in contact with a guy that used to come here and man, he just, it just, it looked like he was going through a little bit of a rough time. And man, my heart just went out to him. I just like, on the inside, Lord, is there anything that I can do? Lord said, pay for his groceries. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Sir, I said, I don't, I don't mean to offend you or belittle you, but can, can I pay for your groceries? He looked at me, tears instantly coming down his face. So for $200 worth of groceries, I was able to make an impact in somebody. He had a lot of groceries, by the way. <laughs> but he was, I was able just to make an impact in somebody's life for $200 worth of groceries, and he will never forget that moment. And I just said, no, it's not me. I said, the Lord told me to do this. Can, can, can Jesus buy your groceries for you? Am I concerned about that? No, because the Lord told me to do it. He's going to supply for me. I, I, I really don't care. Right afterwards, man, I gave him a ride home. We're able to talk a little bit. We prayed together. And guess what, man? It was just so good to spend some quality time again. And just again, share the love of God with this man who's obviously been going through some tough times. Again, what is that? That's the reach. Now, one of the things that the Lord helped me, you know, especially hearing that First Timothy 2, one of the things that he really said to me is to make sure that I never have the mindset of us versus them. He said, Joel, you got to kill that mindset, us versus them. And that can be in any kind of area. That could be in the sporting team that I cheer for. It could be in the job that somebody goes to. It could be in race. It could be in color. It can be in culture. The moment you have an us versus them mentality, your impact is shot. There's no way for race. There's no way for influence. And again, I'm talking about you know being a strong influence for God in our city. Again, I'm talking about how to get the word out so that if people can get it, so people can see Jesus. The moment you have an us versus them, poor, rich. The moment you have that us, oh, we're rich. We don't. I'm not going around that. Poor. The moment you have that, you've absolutely just stopped all impact. Because you look at Jesus. Where was he? He was in the midst of notorious sinners. So I just, because just reading all these verses just came back to me as, man, like, Jesus absolutely had none of that. Us, disciples, not you. Right? Even when the uh, parents would bring kids to Jesus. Whoa, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't, don't bring them over here. She said, man, let them come. Let them come. Right? No, never want to hinder the reach. No matter what it may look like. Don't hinder a reach. Right? Okay. So again, I just this is an attitude that I've taken on is I'm willing to reach out to anyone whenever he tells me to. I don't mind getting interrupted. Lord, my, my, you saved me. This life belongs to you. Interrupt as you choose. <laughs> and then we, I'm sure you've heard this statement before, but we are bold so others may live. Our reach, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost you your comfort. It's going to cost you maybe your, your emotion or your feeling at that exact time. I don't want to do this. But we are bold so that others may live. It says this, that the righteous, I believe Proverbs, the righteous are as bold as a lion. This is who we are. We have to be bold because, listen, nobody else, the church, is here to reach people. Now, just then we think, oh, you know, people, they got their own truths, their own beliefs. I don't give a rip what other people believe or think. I have the truth and I have the love. When I go in there with that, it's going to affect. No matter what kind of debate comes in, no matter what they try to throw my way, when I operate in the love and I operate in the truth, I win every single time. Why? Because love never fails. I can't fail. Right? Okay. So we are both so others may live. And again, as I said, when we are full of love, there is no fear. So that's everybody say reach out. That's the reach. So this is why we're here is we're here to reach. The other aspect now is to draw in. So now that they've reached, that's great. Man, come to church. It's so great to have you. Man, come to my church. Check it out. It doesn't just end there. That's the beginning point. Right now, this draw in. And I want to, this is a culture that we want to create, even in this church family, is really a culture of discipleship. Right? We're here to bring people in. And I want to just read a few things that I've written down. But I'm willing to bring people close. Everybody say close. close. I'm willing to bring people close. This is vital. To open up my life and to show what Jesus did for me. To share my testimony. To share the things that I've done. Maybe my mistakes. The things that I've done well at. The things that I didn't do well at. Just opening myself up. Because listen, vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And I heard that even at Freedom Story. It was powerful because other people were being open and vulnerable. The moment you do that, the guard just drops. Right? 
Okay, I'm investing my time, I'm investing my words, I'm investing my study, my resources into an individual, into a group, for the purpose of being a vessel for God to get into that person's life. Don't just see it, oh, I gotta, I'm, I'm putting my time and I'm putting... No, just see it as God is getting access into this person's life. See you being the vessel for God to use to make a difference and an impact in somebody's life. Right? Now, just a quick side note, drawing in may all be one-sided. May feel like kind of a parasite, hippopotamus kind of a relationship. But listen, that's, that's okay for a season. Right? Of course, there's times, and there's times where it's just draining and people aren't moving. I understand that. I get that. But I'm just saying in context, when somebody is wanting it, somebody's desiring to grow in their relationship with God, somebody's wanting to know what this church life is like, man, I love that. And I, the good example I remember is uh, Jamie and I, when we were first married, we were actually called out to Ontario to do a, a kids' conference. So we spoke at a children's conference. And these kids were completely from, like, Toronto ghetto. Uh, single family parents, just real rough, real tough. And man, I, there was nothing better just having a group of kids. And I, they actually asked me one of, they had a couple of leaders that couldn't, weren't able to make it at the last moment. So as the camp speaker, I was asked to sleep with, uh, I think about 12 different kids with the pastor. We were in this room. Listen, I got no sleep for a whole week. It was ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. And just to see these kids, man, the moment, like, we did, they didn't know who we were. We were just a couple of people from Alberta. And, man, you, I mean, I remember seeing these kids. They were so rough on the outside. Kids 8, 9, 10, 11 years old who said things and would repeat things that I, like, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? And, and it just, like, I mean, from sexual things to gang violence. And, I mean, there was a, I remember this one little boy, uh, Russell, I think was his name. He came up. He was a 7-year-old kid. Cops had come in there, arrested his parents a few times. He said, my dog, my dog died last week. And I went, oh, man, sorry to hear that, dude. What, what happened? He said, oh, a cop came and shot it. Like, this is, the, this is the life that they're in. This is what they see. This is their regular. And I remember we did, uh, so this was Monday through Friday. We did morning and evening services for these kids. And I remember the evening services, Jamie and I put on basically a two-man acting, singing, preaching duo like we did all these different kinds of things we had a whole bunch of songs from skillet everybody remember skillet it's a good white rock band and then we just we, we prayed different skits to it and everybody know the song hero or something like that remember we we reacted all that we did this whole thing those kids at that time when you, they see the love of god through you through the reach they are so drawn to you now, I remember the Lord even just speaking to me, like, in that, because, I mean, for, I was honestly, I was a little bit grumbling, complaining. Lord, i got to sleep in this cabin, and i got to minister again in the morning, and then I, I can't even, I get two hours of sleep, maybe, if that. All the farting that's going on in that room. <laughs> it's crazy when you take kids away, what happens? They just let loose, literally. And, uh, but, man, we, and just right after that, I remember going back into that dorm room. Those kids, they were all sitting by my bed. And we had just we had just done a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we had 72 kids, roughly around that, 70, 75 kids, got filled with the Holy Ghost, all spoke with other tongues. They were sitting in my bed when I got there after saying goodnight to Jamie. I went into that room. They were all sitting there. Hey, can you do that hand thing? And they were like, like, do this again. And I remember, man, so we did that for another hour, and they just wanted me to lay hands on them all over. So we prayed together, about 10, 12-year-old kids. We prayed for another hour together. That draw is so vital. And I mean, especially at that young age, that's vital. But I, it doesn't matter who you are. Somebody gets in. Somebody gets born again. Somebody gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, come on in. Let me show you what happened to me. This is what God did in my life. This is what it looks like. Because, man, they're just learning this. So not only are we just here to reach, and then that's it. No, we're here to draw in. Come on in. Come see my life. Come over for dinner. Come for coffee with me. Come check this out. Because when we're doing that, now we're starting to build and add value to who these people are that Jesus sees. Right? You know, I'm going to just show you this from Jesus' example. Mark 3. I want you just to turn, if you've got your Bibles, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 15. i got to hurry up. Don't worry, I'll finish this. But it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside. And if you're on your phone, I'm reading from the Passion Bible. Jesus went up on a mountainside, Mark 3, 13, and called to himself the men he wanted to be his close companions. So they went up to the mountainside to join him. He appointed the twelve whom he named apostles. He wanted them to continually be at his side as his friends and so that he could send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. Before they did all of that, it was first Jesus called the ones that he wanted. You see the reach? Then he brought them in. I want you to accompany me. Side with me. Be with me. Let me show you some things. Let me teach you. Listen, you actually have things that you can invest in somebody. 
That's one thing the Lord had to give to me. Joel, you have value on the inside of you that you can impart to other people. Do it. Okay. Sure, Lord, I'll do that. There's such a treasure on the inside of you. So don't take that for granted. There's something in you that you get it into somebody else. It is beautiful in the eyes of God. So don't mistake, okay, yes, I'm born again. I don't, I don't really know much about the Bible. I don't really know much about, you know, discipleship. Just start where you're at. It's better than nothing, right? Just start where you're at. And, uh, you know, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, just, you know, I won't read this, but Jesus said to make disciples. Disciples don't just come, you have to make them. You got to make disciples. Everybody say, make them. Our job is to make disciples. Of course, God, of course, is doing His work by His Spirit. But we're just being vessels for the Lord to use, right? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me. So people that are not, not able to see Jesus fully yet through His Word. Hey, come, you don't, you're not able to see Jesus yet? Come look at me. Come look at how I live. Look at how I talk. Look at how I live my life. Look at me praying in tongues. Look at me how I speak. Look at me how I go to bed. Look at me how I live my day. Watch me as I'm following him. What's that? That's the drawing. Because you cannot disciple from a distance. You can't make an impact or an influence from a distance. You got to have at least this relationship going on. Right? Cool. And lastly, so there's reach out. There's draw in. And now lift up. Everybody say lift up. lift up. I love this part. But lift up is now I'm interested in bringing people with me in this journey to make room for them to flourish and develop in their gift. Yeah. You know what? It takes a king to call out a king. David was like King David. He was an amazing king, but he was a lousy dad. How do I know that? It's because his son Solomon did not even know that he was to be the next king. He had no idea. So what does it take? It takes a king to call out the king qualities in somebody else. When you see a gift in somebody, speak it into them. Man, I see that in you. Man, man the way that you sang that song, the way that you man, took the time and you lifted up the Lord. Man, that was so powerful. Good for you, Shelby. Good for you, girl, for singing that. What happens? Oh, you saw that? What does it do? It elevates. It lifts people up. And they go, yeah, I, I can do that. Oh, yeah, I, okay, I, I can do this. It pulls them out, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever say that to you? Man, it helped me, man, tremendously. Especially when, he's, when we're saying, yeah, we're going to take over the church. Uh, uh, okay, great. I remember hearing voices from the outside, different ministers that I respect and would have a voice in my life. They came to me and said, Joel, we see it in you. It's all there. It's there. We see the grace. We see the anointing of God there. What that did? Oh, okay. Okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Okay, I, I got this. It changes your total perception on that, right? Okay. And this is the way that the Lord said it to me, especially now that we're going to be a training and distribution center for leaders in every form. This kind of ties into that. But we want to make room for people because you have no idea who you're lifting up. Yeah. For an example, Joseph. Uh, I'm, like not, I'm talking Joseph, Jesus' earth dad. Think about him for a sec. He had a plan. He was going to marry this pretty girl. Man, it was going to be awesome. All of a sudden, that plan was completely shot. Now, Mary's pregnant by God. <laughs> okay, Mary, right? Pregnant by God. It goes against his culture. It goes against his tradition. It goes against the plan that he had. It goes against everything that he wanted to do. Now, he's running for his life. So that, you know, Herod's not killing him. Now, I want you to go to Egypt for a season. He's living in all these different parts, and it was never part of his plan. This is not in my five-year journal. But the cool thing is, is he didn't mind his life getting interrupted. Now, but look what Joseph, he made way for a king come into this earth safely and could rescue us. I think he's one of the most unheard of heroes in the Bible, Joseph. I mean, you think about it. Who are the next people that you may be reaching? They may be the next Billy Graham. No, he said, you're just taking time to invest. I remember, again, a gentleman that I know, uh, Pastor Bill Wilson. Anybody know Bill Wilson from New York Metro Ministries? A few people do. Anyways, he's got an amazing kids' ministry worldwide. And uh, we went to go be with him in New York for a little bit. And uh, man, I remember like one, this is one of the things that he always said to me. Because they've reached millions of kids through the 27, 30 years now that they've been in ministry. And he said, all of this was birthed in me because I went to a Christian camp. And for those of you who don't know his story, his story is quite something. He was a 12-year-old kid, and his mom, he lived in Florida at the time. His mom told him, you sit on that curb and don't leave until I come back. His mom never came back for him. 
He stayed there for four days, sitting on this curb for four days, for four nights, as a 12-year-old kid, nothing. And this Christian gentleman, older gentleman, driving his van to and from work, saw him sitting there every day. And so finally he said, do you got anywhere to go? And he said, I'm waiting for my mom, but she's not coming back. And he said, son, come with me. She ain't coming back. So he brought him in, nurtured him in. About a week later, he sent him to a Christian camp. He got born again. He received Jesus as his Lord. And from that point, something was birthed in him to reach kids. That's what happened. It took place. And now he's reaching internationally kids all over. Man, kids that are just left for dead. Kids that mean absolutely nothing to nobody. They're sleeping in grave sites in the Philippines. They're in New York in the most horrible trenches. Man, I've been there. I've seen it. And they're just reaching these guys. And he always says, you know what? Who's going to get credit for this? The gentleman who picked me up. Man, that just breaks my heart. You have no idea who you're reaching. And even the even, and for parents, you're raising. I have, I could be raising the next people that are going to reach the entire nation. I have no idea, but what am I going to do? I'm going to take the time to not only reach out, draw in, but I'm going to lift up. I'm going to call those gifts in you. Man, I see that gift. I'm not going to squash it. I see that leadership gift in you, Jace. I see that. Now let me work alongside you. Let me help you develop it. Let's culture this thing. Let's build it up. Why? So you can go further. You can go higher. You can preach from a different level than I ever could have. Because why? I'm calling in you now so that God develop it. This is the church. So just because somebody could do it better than me, guess what? Rock on. We're on the same team. We're going the same direction, going after the same goal, and it's to reach, draw in, and lift up. This is what the church is all about. Ah, get excited about that. My last, can you give me five more minutes? Okay. My last sentence is I want to just make it. This is the mindset that I'm taking on, and I want to encourage you to do so too. But I'm taking on, I am a church builder. This is who I am. No matter where I work, no matter where I go, no matter what store I walk into, I build the church. And don't just think, okay, i got to get more people coming to church. That's not it. I'm here to showcase Jesus everywhere I go. This is who I am. And the Lord said this to me just recently, but if serving is below you, and we've seen this, but he said it to me a little differently, then impacting someone's life is above and beyond you. Galatians 6 verse 3, I don't know if I have that on the screen. No, I don't. Okay, it says this. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. And man, that just sets it up real clearly. And just for your own uh, nighttime reading tonight, I encourage you, read 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through 13. It's a short chapter. But you see here, this is King David. And he actually says he's looking for someone to show the kindness of God to, to Saul's household. The same Saul that tried to kill him try to go all over him. David says these words, who can I show kindness to? And I just, I love this whole story because it showcases that my kindness isn't going to be going to people who necessarily can do things back for me. I'm looking just to who can I show kindness to? Because again, who am I? I'm someone who holds on to truth. I hold on to love and I'm reaching out. I'm drawn in and I'm lifting up. And you can't fail when you do that. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.